right, Streets and Scholars, Alex Alonso and FG, aka Frank Thornton, bringing you guys another banger. And uh, yeah, man, um, our last several episodes have just skyrocketed in terms of the um, the interest, the listenership. I mean, you know, hey, man, we over here doing what we doing, man. You know what I mean? And people tapping in, we really appreciate it. Keep doing that, you know. But shit, we 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 on fire over here. And, you know, I've learned that the number one thing in a successful podcast, the number one thing is consistency. And um, you've been very consistent because I wasn't sure how serious you was going to be about this. Right. You know, um, a lot of people say they want to do it, but then they, they can't do it. They don't do it. They get tired of doing it. But, man, we're on, I believe, the 25th episode, man, and you've uh, showed up each and every time. Oh, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. You know, but don't get me wrong. You know, you're giving me uh, uh, so much perspective, you know, especially with the way, like you say, you lay it out there, you know. So I appreciate the way that you, you know, make sure that we on point, you know what I mean, so we can stay, keep fire episodes for the people, man. Yeah, I was reading that the average podcast quits after, like, the sixth or seventh episode. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And that's one of the reasons why some people aren't successful at it, because they can't stay consistent. Well, no, nah, we definitely going to bring the heat. You know what I mean? As long as something going on out there that we have an opinion about or a feeling about, we definitely going to tap in with it and, and uh, share it with the people, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, let, let's get into this one issue that we've talked about before regarding these January 6th rioters that, um, you know, they turned it up. Um, what year was that? Was that just last year? 2021. Yeah, that was, uh, 2021. January 6th rider. We talked about the very first dude that decided I'm taking it to trial. No doubt. Uh, Guy Reffitt. You Guy know Reffitt. what I mean? And uh, he took it to trial, you know, and I've been waiting to see what how it's going to turn out for him. You know, we both even stated in one of those episodes about how much time we thought he would, might get. I said 15, you said nine. And what happened? I believe he got seven and a quarter years, 7.25 years. I believe that's eight. You know, the feds always give out sentencing in months. Right, right, right. And I think he got sentenced to 80, 80 something months. Yeah, he got seven and some change and uh, damn near eight. But um, yeah, you was on point with that. Yeah, man. You know, it's just um, it was just an educated guess. I don't have no insight. I don't know Guy Reffitt. I don't know the attorneys. Right. Just looking at the sentences, the charges, the convictions, you know. And uh, I, I actually, to keep it real, I looked at race also. I didn't feel like they was going to max out the good old white boy. No doubt. Um, I thought they was going to make example of him just based on for other people don't try that shit again <laughs> and take the deal. But when you go back and look at, man, seven years of some change for a person who was not a regular criminal, who's not a street dude, you know, that's a long time. After I thought about it, that, that's still a long time, man. For you to have to go do six years away from your family and, and this is not the life you're about, that's a nice little chunk of time to go do. I feel it is a, a chunk of time considering he's 49 years old. If he was like a 20-year-old youngster, I'd be like, man, go walk that off. Man, I still say it's a long time, man. <laughs> yeah, you even know, for a 20-year-old? Yeah, yeah. You, based on the crime, you know what I mean? And like I say, um, um, six, seven years, man, five years, four years, shit, three years is a long time when you go sit down somewhere and you're from your family. But I think sometimes we are conditioned to think that um, we got a good deal based on, you know, because we psychologically proven to believe that, you know, um, us as a black man is going to get a lot of time anyway. So, well, I, I don't have no, um, I guess no, no sympathetic feeling for any of these dudes from the January 6th riot, because, you know, I'm, I, we've been seeing people get away with crimes, especially like middle middle class white folks, white collar criminals, 
get a slap on the wrist. I know there are examples of people getting stretched out, but the the thought on social media was that all these people were going to walk. No one is really going to be held accountable because this is America. This is these people that ran up in that building represent America. And because they represent the heart of America, there's no way that judges across this federal system is going to, you know, give anyone any sort of time. So I'm, I'm actually elated. You know, you know how we often often say we don't wish no time on nobody. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually elated that judges felt that, yeah, these people need to go to prison. Well, me, uh, you don't forget, though, a lot of people got sweet deals, you know, a whole lot of people, you know, and and he bucked the system. He made it. um, A lot of them would have swept it under the rug and we wouldn't have knew how much time nobody kind of really got. He bucked the system. He wanted to go to trial. He wanted to, you know, see what he can do with trial. So they definitely was going to make some sort of example out of him. And um, but at the end of the day, you know, if he would have took his deal, he might have been home in a year or two. This is what the feds do. You make them go spend a half a million dollars going to trial. They're going to make you pay for that. Definitely. And what's interesting is that the prosecutors in this case actually asked the judge to give him the 15 years, um, the original sentence that you thought he was going to get. Just imagine if he actually did get sentenced to 15 years. Man, that would have been a lot of times, but I'm going to be honest with you. The shit they deal with some high power shit. You know, y'all ran up in the Capitol, you know, um, and and. That's supposed to be a sacred place for as as an American, you know, and they violated that. And it just seemed like you would have got a lot more time for that than you was for, you know, say 50 grams of crack or some stuff like that. You know, well, he got the longest sentence thus far given to the over 700 people who have either been prosecuted or took deals. Now, wasn't somebody shot in this situation? Yeah. The um the, the woman from San Diego, the uh the uh, army uh, chick yeah exactly the ex-military uh female she was killed by one of the capitol police though okay 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 yeah i was gonna say whatever happened to that but you just cleared that up for me but also a couple of the capitol police that were fighting with people like guy reffitt they ended up dying after the fact like later but not we're not sure if it was related to the attack because they didn't die the same day right 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 they died a few days later so, um, but they never linked Guy to any of those attacks of the um, officers. Right, right, right. But he did bring a gun onto federal property, and then he decided not to take the deal. So I feel like he got everything that he deserves. Oh uh, no, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that he didn't. I'm just saying that, um, you know, he could have got a view to took that deal. He probably would have been home sooner. And he got three years paper upon his release. Hey, you know, shit. <laughs> so this is really like a uh, a 10-year, at the end of the day, it's a 10-year sentence, ten right? Year, at the end of the day, you're going to have to deal with them people 10 years, man, you know. But um, somebody else is going to trial on that case. So I'm wondering, is they going to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's that deal again? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Let me get that. There's been a couple you know. of uh, these fools that decide, that, hey, like you said, maybe they was listening to Guy Reffert's wife. Yeah, and try to go to trial. But that ain't always a smart thing to do, you know, especially when you're messing with the... Uh, United States of America, because it's hard to beat him, man. And on top of the three years paper, he's got to pay a $2,000 fine, which is probably nothing, right? Right, right. No doubt. You know what I mean? But like I say, six years, man, he, he going to be on the hook. Now, now the additional uh, three years paper, um, since you actually went through, through that directly, what is what is that like? Is it almost like you're free, but you're not completely free? What is the conditions? To be honest with you, you know, still on the parole officer, you know, your probation officer, what kind of person they are. You know, my pro- uh, probation officer, because I was in truck and she wouldn't let me move far at all. 
she banned me from counties. You know, I couldn't really do nothing opposed to the homie got out and he was able to leave out of the state, go do trucking immediately. So I don't know what their criteria is or how they keep the reins on you or how they let the reins off. It could be probation officer by probation officer, but it wasn't really strict if you live in a regular American citizen life. If you're going to work, coming home, taking care of your family, just like we do now, I don't look over my shoulder as much as I used to. You know what I mean? You know, so when you're doing regular stuff, you know, you, you're not worried about it. Now, when you're still trying to wiggle and do something here or there, or, you know, then you kind of worried about what's going on with the PO. Other than that, you're not even worried about it. So you're saying that um, Drew, Drew had a more more i guess lax po and he was able to leave the county without any issues yeah drew probably was able to move around and do what he wanted to do you know my po per se uh she had me locked she told me i couldn't go to san diego county couldn't go to santa barbara county and then for a minute she banned me from la county you know and um i was like you know some bullshit but at the same time never cried about it i just wiggled around it now don't get me wrong you know how this shit go you don't have a tracking monitor on me you know so it's basically like i better not get caught in none of these counties you know i better <laughs> not get a ticket in none of these counties yeah you know what i mean but you know i went no saying i'm going i'm going where i'm going you know and i'm assuming that most people who, who are not under a tracking device are going to just say okay po whatever you say whatever exactly, you say exactly. wink wink nod nod and then you in san diego santa barbara or, or wherever you want to go no doubt no doubt <laughs> las you know vegas I mean? vegas you know <laughs> you know and just be smart but but at the end of the day like i say is really based on you the federal I, I believe it's harder to be on state pr probation or parole than it is to be on federal because the feds will really just let you hang yourself. They'll let you get so lax that you kind of forget you even on probation. And then you mess around and do something, boom, there they go right there. So it's not hard at all. It's one of the hardest part of just remembering that you own this shit. You know what I mean? Now, if you do say, all right, I'm going to Vegas for the weekend. I know I'm on this paperwork, but um, fuck it. When you're in Vegas, are you extra cautious of, all right, I don't want to get caught up here. I don't want to get in this fight over here. I'm just here to have a good time. Or do you not even thinking about none of that stuff? Well, see, now you're back to criminal thinking, you know, on a small level. Because basically, you know, you're going to go check in the hotel. You're not going to use your ATM card. You know what I mean? Whoever's with you, you know, your girlfriend, your cousin, you know, they're going to have to book the rooms. You know, you're going to be very smart about it. The rental car not going to be in your name. <laughs> you know, you're going to start thinking along these lines. You know, I'm definitely not going to use my debit card at the, you know, the shops at the Luxor. You know what I mean? Because this can come up on my bank statements if they ever want to just look at my bank statements after a payday or something like that, because they do have the right to do that, you know. So, you know, you'll just be smart about it, you know, maybe not drive per se up and down the strip, case a ticket comes, somebody else to get the ticket, it wouldn't be in your name. But you have POs that just say, man, wherever you want to go, let me know. You know what I mean? I was denied to go to a family reunion, you know, and, and, and um, I just didn't feel there was no reason. Now, afterwards, she started letting me go different states trucking you know i was able to go to salt lake city because that was one of my routes i was able to go to north cali that was one of my right routes phoenix you know and basically what she had got to the point to say well just write down the states that you're going to go to and let me know the homies was just they po just told them hey man just check in every month keep your nose clean you know and it was that simple you know and i i, I didn't feel i gave her no reason to you know, trip on me, but maybe it was something in my file to say, keep an eye on this dude. I don't know. Did you ever uh, address her and say, look, I know a lot of the people that are on paper right now and they're able to do whatever they want to do and go wherever they want to go. Why are you tripping on me? Well, you know what? I don't put the terms why are you tripping on me because kind of technically she she wasn't, you know what I mean? 
I had other people, which I found out that had her before, previously, years ago, you know, and uh, that's how she ran her program. It wasn't, you know, come to find out it wasn't so much just me, you know, but at the same time, don't forget, I was a business owner. I was a property owner. When they feel that you're not a dummy, you know what I mean? They're going to kind of tighten up on you a little bit because they know you got the the brain cells to to, to, to get past them, you know what I mean? But when I wanted to open up a business, she said, you can open up any business you want, long as I can see the money trail and stuff like that, hey, have at it. So she didn't stop me from everything. And then after a while, she didn't even switch. I mean, didn't, like you say, she got to call me, hey, look, by, 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 by my job, I got to see you. She'll meet me in the street, meet me somewhere, but okay, I saw you. And wouldn't, and that went on for the last couple, for years, you know, but one thing she wouldn't do is let me off paper. You know, they had the law where they was cutting people paper, you know, she wouldn't put that paperwork in to release me early too. When some of the homies was filing that motion, getting a paper cut because the laws was changing. She made me walk the whole five off. Damn. No shout out to her. Right, right, right. None whatsoever. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? and she might be listening. Hey, she could be, but at the same time, hey, I made it, you know. It could have helped me in, in other words, because sometimes when you know that you got somebody looking over your shoulder, you tend to do better. And, and let me reiterate, you know, sometimes that probation helps. Sometimes that parole helps, you know, because it stops you from just jumping out there doing some things when you got a type of personality like mine, you know. So I'm going to be honest with you. Some people like me need some kind of constraints, you know, in their life. I have a wife now. So once again, I have, you know, some constraints in my mm -hmm. life, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but it's all good shit. Well, um, maybe Guy Reffick could tap in and he'll know what he's going to have to deal with after his uh, release because he's going to have to deal with this for three years. And, um, you know, he, he actually ended up getting the, um, he, his, his sentence is a record. The guy, uh, there was a guy before him that received five years, which is, uh, what's that, 60 months? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 60 months because he was involved in assaulting one of the Capitol officers with a fire extinguisher. Mm. But now Guy Refford has his sentence outdoes him. So he, he holds the record now for all the January 6th rioters that have been sentenced to prison. No doubt. No doubt. And his appeal rights are still open since he did go to trial. So, you know, you never know. He may appeal something and one day we might not even realize that a motion was granted and he come home. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep on it. But um, I. I was gonna look him up. I'll look him up in a second. But um, let's um, let's talk about this um, Mozzie. Oh yeah, man, my favorite rapper. Now you've said on this podcast, Streets and Scholars, on at least two other episodes, that the gun is an automatic five-year sentence. Right. But I believe what you meant to say is if it's used in the course or the commission of a crime. Right. I, I misspoke on that because most of the people that's coming in is wasn't just for simple firearm possession. You know, most of the guys who was coming in had a gun on top of their something else, their bank robbery, their drug dealing. So when you have the 924C, the 924C states that it is a mandatory minimum sentence under federal guidelines if you using the gun in any kind of, uh, it, even if it's a possession with drugs, because they're saying you're using the gun to protect the drugs. If it's a bank robbery, of course, you know, you use the gun in a bank robbery. So if you use a gun in a commission of a crime, it's definitely, you know, or in possession while you're doing a crime, it's definitely a five-year, 60-month mandatory minimum. Now, if you have the 922G, the 922G is the simple possession, the uh, crossing state lines with a firearm or the sale, unlicensed sale of a firearm, then that sentence is 
punishable of not more than 10 years. So the judge can have discretion to give you what they want to, but just not more than 10 years. That's how it's actually read. And then I did uh, misspoke when I said uh, that it was an automatic 60 months for every gun, federal gun crime. So the 924C is the lesser offense, right? No, it's not the lesser offense. It's used in the commission of a crime or with another crime. Say if you have drugs and you have the gun, if you're doing a robbery, you have the gun. If you're doing any kind of federal crime and you have the gun, it's mandatory 60 months. Yeah. So what did what did um what was Mozzie's gun? Mozzie had a possession. You know, now I don't know if he might have had some little weed or something on it, but it was Mozzie had a possession. I believe he was out here in California and they caught him with a pistol. Um how it went federal, I don't know. They just might have decided to pick it up. Maybe he was on post office property. I don't know. I didn't dig that deep into his case, you know, because this happened uh, last January, January 21, actually, is when Mozzie got caught with that uh, firearm. And um, so they went on and gave him the year and the day. Yeah, he was um, it was a traffic stop in Culver City mm -hmm. um, back in January 21. So that's definitely not federal, right? A traffic stop? Well, you know, true, but you know, the feds can pick up all gun crimes. I mean, uh, you know, all, all gun possessions and crimes. They have the right to do that. Why Mozzie's went federal? Maybe he's a high profile rapper. They wanted to get their hooks in him, you know. Um, I don't know, but uh, maybe they felt he would have beat it in the state on a legal search and seizure or something like that. Um, maybe he did beat it on in the state. Maybe he did get a dismissal in the state and the feds doubled back and picked it up. You know, we don't know those circumstances. Well, it says here he was pulled over by Culver City PD mm -hmm. and the police smelled marijuana. Mm -hmm. Don't they always smell marijuana? Oh, they always smell it, man. <laughs> they always you know, smell man, it. I ain't smoked in 15 <laughs> years and they tell me, man, we smell marijuana. Man, get out of here, man. And then um, that gave them what's called the, um, what is the term I'm looking for, for them to be able to search it. The um, It's a fake consent, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, um, probable cause. Yeah. It gave them the probable cause to search his vehicle, and they found um, a Glock 2.6 Gen 4, 9mm caliber, 16 rounds. Ooh, 16 rounds. That's, yeah, that's uh, a lot, yeah. The, 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 the 16 rounds. That could be why it went federal. The 16 round magazine is banned in California. That's why I say that could be why it went federal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they found that, um, a 9mm loot. I think they found two pistols and a personal amount of weed, a small amount of weed. That ain't really. That doesn't make the the gun thing any worse, does it? No, no, no. Now, if you had some pounds, they would have that. That's when they would have hit him with the nine twenty four C. You protecting the the drugs with the gun, and that's when the mandatory minimum come in. But since he had a smoking size uh, um, sack, you know, they they didn't figure that he was protecting, you know, the weed with the gun. You know. Now his bail was uh, thirty five thousand um, dollars. In the feds, can you you can still bond out using ten percent, one percent, five percent, and property, right? Well, I'm thinking he didn't go straight to the feds. I'm thinking he went to the local police station as a uh, as you usually do for a crime like that. You know, he probably bonded out from the local station. Oh. He probably got a letter. What happens is the state will dismiss the case. Feds are refiled. You know, so he might have, it's two ways they could have went about it. He could have bonded out from the from the state case. When the federals came and he showed up on time, they might have could have just said, hey, don't, um, you know, we're not going to make you rebond out because it was obviously it was out. It just happened in January 21 and he's just turning himself in. But you can bond out from the from the feds. A lot of people think you can't, but you actually can. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't give us the details here. It just says that um, he got arrested in January 21. 
He posted $35,000 bail. He pled guilty in January 22, a year later. And in April, a judge uh, sentenced him to 12 months. And he has just turned himself in in, uh, in July last month. So um, one year for a gun, some people would say that that's not, that's not um, a normal gun sentence. And he's also a felon with a gun. Right. So do you think one year is actually a sweetheart deal for an ex-felon with a gun? Yeah, it is basically because it's just a simple possession. You know what I mean? And um, um, like I say, I don't know all the details of the case, you know. Um, but usually felons, they, you know, the state would have gave you more than that. State would have gave you three years. You know what I mean? So I don't know how the feds picked it up. And, you know, but at the same time, Ozzy, a millionaire, he could have had some of them high power lawyers walk, work, walk in there and say he haven't been a, a felon for 15 years. You know what I mean? There's certain things that could have been said that we don't know the circumstances to. And he ended up with that year and a day. Now, if he walked into uh, on the prison yard at Victorville with a one year sentence for this pistol, I'm assuming that. Um, his paperwork would have been requested by somebody just to make sure, right? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Mozzie fall under the B car, you know what I mean? So he definitely was going to be pulled up. You know, if he was on the yard with me, i definitely, you know, go give him dad, what's up, homie, you know what I mean? You out there spitting that shit, we, we definitely feel, you know what I mean? But on the flip side of it, just to keep it all the way G, you know what I mean? How did that thing go? How did that thing work out with you? Now, one thing about Mozzie, Mozzie a real hood dude, you know what I mean? He a real homie, and at the end of the day, he knows – the, the 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 dynamics of everything moving you know what i mean he talk about rats he you know he, he pushed the line that he pushed for me i don't have mozzie doing nothing foul in order to get his year in the day but at the same time his paperwork would be checked like everybody else's now there's some real um there's some real hungry people in the feds and when they see someone like mozzie walking in there um I, my guess is that some dudes are going to look at him as someone to take advantage of um, are you aware of these types of inmates? And is that a possibility for someone like Mozzie? I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't got him being a buster either. You know what I mean? And then, like I say, he a blood. You know what I mean? So at the same time, he going to have the same coverage as every home, other homie got. Now, it may be a homie begging from him. You know what I mean? But I don't got it's going to be no homies just trying to super push a line on him. Homie, you better shoot some shoot some money to my books because at the end of the day, you know, that's a whole other situation that the B-car got to handle too. Hey, homie, get off the homie. You know what I mean? You know, if he decide to do something for you, okay. But at the end of the day, he don't owe the motherfucker nothing. You know what I mean? Now, I remember like when I had the red velvet and shit, I flew down rapping Forte and them down from uh, the Bay Area to perform at the club. You know what I mean? And when I was at Victorville, rapping Forte pulled up on the yard. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he falling under the bay. You know what I mean? They took him in. They had his back. You know what I mean? And, and he wasn't no buster. You know what I mean? He was. He, he wanted to get down. He was going to run his face. You know what I mean? But, you 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 know, when you somebody, you protect it. You know, when you're from a gang or a neighborhood, or you protect it. You got people. But just when you solo, you know what I mean? You know, Michael Jackson hit the yard or something. You, you just, it's just you. So then that's when the vulture is going to come from every angle. And then I'll at you. So what was it like um, when um, Rapping Fote came up in there? Rapping Fote a street nigga. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he, shit, it wasn't his first time for one. And he ran his program like how he ran it. You know, he wasn't on no, no nothing extra. You know what I mean? Plus, like he said, you know, he uh, he a regular dude. And they had some real serious bay cats, you know, 
regulating shit. You know what I mean? So, you know, they 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 got him in there, you know, and he was cool. He was straight, he was straight. did the same shit everybody else did, you know. Yeah, I met him once right here in LA. Um the homeboy Melvin Farmer from original West Side Crip, uh A Trey Gangster Crip co-founder introduced me to him one day. I was surprised. I was like, what is this dude <laughs> rapping Fote doing over here right, in the right, right. Gangster. Gangster hood? Yeah. But he looked like he wasn't doing that well though. He looked a little like um maybe drugs got the best of him. Yeah, he had had his ups and downs and shit. Like I say, when I got to messing with him, you know, he was on the rebound. He had just put out a new album. I used to go out to the valley out there to Burbank to the studios and fuck with him. You know what I mean? My homegirl had a they was tight. Her and him and my homegirl was tight. That's how I even got, you know, got a line on him. And uh, so I used to go out there and check him out. And he was definitely back on the rebound at that time, you know. And uh, so, um, but yeah, you know, sometimes, man, you know, you have ups and downs in these businesses. Yeah. Especially, you know, acting, you know, rapping, you know, money don't come every day. You know, you got to be putting them hits out. And then even when you put a hit out, it take months and months and months for the check to come. So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, shit get bad. Yeah, man. Um I hope he's doing well wherever he's at. I might actually look him up and, and see how he's doing or tap in with Melvin Farmer and see if he got a line on rapping Fote. But, yeah, man, I, I was surprised. I was over there on Manchester, and I was just like, what is this dude? He was posted up with, with all the A-Trays. No, nah, no doubt. Like I say, he, is, he he ain't no stranger to danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I had him in Compton up at the barbershop and shit, him and Spice One and them. Man, we up there smoking and drinking, and, 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 and he wasn't no looking around, wasn't no, you know, he fit right in, you know? know what I mean so so uh, yeah shout out to old Fote man and I, I know that there's some brothers that um they love being in that element they love being in in those circles uh, as dangerous as those circles are um and you know every once in a while I like dabbling in them circles just because um you know I grew up with so many people that that hang out in those circles but um you know as I get older I try to distance myself from some of them circles because I know how dangerous they can be and how spontaneous, you know, motherfuckers can be, you know? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. You know what I mean? Like I say, my wife talks shit all the time about me, you know, because just at any given day, I'm going to pop up, you know? And, 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 and it's crazy it is to say, but I'm at home where the shooters be. I'm at home where the thugs at. I'm at home where the riders are. You know, I feel comfortable, you know, anytime I'm around. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, when you are who you are, you know, some shit just never change, Alex, you know, <laughs> it's some crazy. shit just never change. And I was just thinking real fast. I was just thinking about the person who hit that big lotto not too long ago. Do you know that for a person like me, you know, one of the hardest things would be not being able to move around like I move around, not being able to pull up to the D.O.s and not be able to jump out of Gonzalez or Lutus Park or, you know what I mean? It's like the stuff you love, low riding, it, you can't just hit Crenshaw no more by yourself, you know. It, it, it'll definitely uh, make lives a, a little, it'll make it great, but it'll may also make it a little hard for the, the, the small stuff that you love, you know. Yeah, I'm just surprised that people that have achieved a level of success and made some money, like someone like Rappin' Fote or Nipsey Hussle, um, even Chris Brown, you know, um, a couple of the homies tell me, you know, Chris Brown used to post up and, mm -hmm. on the block and mm -hmm. hang out for a minute. Which is crazy because, you know, these people, uh, they have a whole lot to lose messing around in the streets. No, no shit. I mean, no doubt about it. But the thing about it is also this, you know, sometimes people... 
that feeling of when you're in a group of homies or the group of crowd that you know that you protected in it, you know what I mean, that anything moving, we on top of it, opposed to being around a bunch of industry cast that's, you know, not caring it like that or, you know, uh, in awe who you are and, you know, stuff like that, you know. Um, I think sometimes people get in that raw nature of them streets, man, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely a feeling that, that it's something that 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 people have fell in love with, man. You know, myself included, and and it's 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 in a little addiction, man. Once you you know you be there too long, you know. Yeah, I think at some point though, like people like Mozzie ha may have to reflect on it, and and I know that there's a desire to um you know to have a gun, to be strapped, you know, and I wish that it was easier for people like Mozzie, even such as yourself, that have felony convictions, to be to still be able to maintain a gun right because you know sometimes we just don't feel comfortable without being strapped and and that's a fundamental american right and it shouldn't land a brother in prison for a year if he wasn't doing anything wrong but just merely possessing it you know no doubt but just the thing about it alice even like in your home though now even if you're not a felon you know these laws are so strict that a lot of people and a lot of homies in the hood don't even understand that your gun possession is the least of your worries. It ain't about, you know, I know it's about saving your life, but sometimes, man, you shooting somebody else. How can you prove that this dude pulled out a gun first and you got him before he got you and you at the park? You know what I mean? You still finna get your head busted protecting your own life. You know what I mean? And that's the whole thing about gun protection. It don't matter what kind of rights you got. You could be an American citizen. You know what I mean? You could have a, 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 a concealed weapon. You still have to prove that somebody pulled out a gun and was harming your life in order for you to shoot them. So it ain't just all fine and dandy even with, with having the gun rights. So that's why the homies that uh, don't have gun rights and they carrying a pistol, that's not even on their on calendar. That, that, that's not even in their brain because if I got to shoot this dude, I'm, I don't need it registered and I don't need to be accounted for anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, on the flip side, they got laws in California to where if you're in your home, somebody breaking your home as soon as they kick your door in you grab your pistol and they turn around and run out but they still in your kitchen and you shoot them in the back they finna hold you liable for that you know what i mean and this person is in your house white guy old white lady certain older black gentlemen can 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 maybe get up out of that a lot of young black men you know what i mean any kind of record or any kind of blemish on your record you finna be held accountable for that no doubt well, you remember Breonna Taylor's boyfriend in um in Kentucky when they um that's how Breonna Taylor got killed. Mm, the police I've... kicked the door in, and uh, he started busting. Yeah, because he said they didn't announce themselves as right, police right. officers. They and he shot one in the leg. They charged him with attempted murder on a police officer. Yeah, man. But they ended up dismissing all charges, though. Okay, okay, that's what's up. So yeah, um. I, I was kind of disappointed. His name was Kenneth Walker. Mm. I was kind of disappointed that they charged him in the first place. Well, you know, they're definitely going to do that. And if it probably wasn't for maybe body cams or um, somebody else corroborating that, that they came in unannounced, they may have still put it on him, you know. But but I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that he was able to get from up under that, man. Yeah, man. And, and I would do the same thing as Kevin, Kevin um, Kenneth Walker did if anyone is coming through my door, um, banging it, hitting it. I'm not assuming that's the police because I'm not doing anything wrong deserving the police to come back going through my door. And neither was 
was uh, Kenneth Walker. He wasn't a criminal. He was a, a working man. Right. So right. he's seeing, he thinks like, oh, shoot, you know, I got to defend myself. No, no doubt. No doubt. No, like I said, I'm happy he got from up under that because there's so many of us that that wouldn't have, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you got to be very careful when you have your gun. Um, you know, when I when I go out and do these interviews and I'm out here in the trenches, uh, there have been a couple times where I felt like I was going to have to shoot somebody. But th that was the last thing that I wanted to do. I'm actually trying to avoid having to kill somebody. And um, I wish that I didn't have to be so careful about it because I know that I'm going to have to I'm going to go to jail for a minute mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I got to fight for the, the right of me doing what I did. But, you know, um, luckily, you know, I was able to get out of a couple situations, but I'm constantly thinking like, you know, I'm going to have to sit in jail for a minute, even though I'm probably in the right and right, right. defending myself because they're not just going to say, oh, Alex, you was doing an interview. Oh, no problem. We won't let you go home, you know, even though you killed this uh, 18 year old kid on the, on the block. No doubt. And you never know the judge who he was. You know, he might have been a judge or she might have been a judge who, you know, um, have heard of Mozzie before. She might have went and checked to see how many albums he done sold, you know. <laughs> yeah. She might have really checked to say, okay, this guy's a millionaire, so he must be a celebrity somewhere. And sometimes, you know, when you get that celebrity status, whether you're an ex-con or not, you're still famous. You know, and you still, you know, want to protect your life. And you can sit there and say, you know, Your Honor, yes, I was wrong, but I still want to be alive, you know. And um, and uh, so, I mean, you never know. They could have took a lot of that into consideration, especially if he could have been donating to some foundations that we don't know about. He could have laid his resume out and said, Your Honor, I mean, I've been, you know, yeah, I make money off this gangster rap, but at the same time, I do have a family. I do do other things I do. And they could have said, okay, you know, I am doing it legally, you know. And um, and uh, everybody don't want to have to hire a bodyguard or hire a gunman yeah. to be with them at all times, you know. Hey, he's... um. They got him in Atwater. Are you familiar with this federal facility? No doubt. It's up north, straight up to 99, Atwater, California. Um, they have a USP in the camp over there. Mozzie um, from SAC, so he's not far from, the, you know, where his folks are, you know. And uh, he just put a fresh, brand new album out, you know, that got some heat on it. So he making money while he's in there with his feet kicked up, man. So, you know, I, I ain't too much uh, worried about it. Now, it says here that Atwater has two two facilities, a USP and a camp. Yeah, that's the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. That's kind of interesting that they, they would have two of these uh, facilities right next to each other. Well, actually, it's not. You know what I mean? Um, even um, most facilities have a camp in order to keep the grounds around the real prison uh, tended to and stuff like that. They here just says he's at Atwater. And when you put when you click on Atwater, it says USP Atwater, but then it also says uh, camp USP camp, and they got 900 inmates at the USP mm -hmm. and about 100 inmates at the camp. So, and this is in Merced County. Mm -hmm. I, I've never been to Merced County, but um, where where do you think they put him at for this gun case? You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. I think they might have slid him in the in the camp. You know, um, his points could have been low. You know what I mean? He don't. He haven't been to prison before. Um, well, he is. He has a felony conviction, but so. he haven't been to the pen. I don't think. Okay. I, yeah. I'm gonna, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's been to the pen. And even or it's still the amount of time between those crimes. Because after 15 years, you know, you get points dropped for. You know, like when I was at Victorville, when I um, 
my fifth my my robbery became 15 years old i turned 36 i dropped a bunch of points fast you know and uh because of these factors so uh, he could be over there at the pen you know if he is you know that's a lot stressful a situation to have a year in a day you know you got dudes over there with doing uh, life all day long so i would be more inclined to say that he's over at the camp with that year in a day just because putting him over there will cause probably cause more stress on the administration itself you know what i mean being in these famous being in these you know he have a few million dollars you know uh to put him over there with a year in a day and you got dudes in here with life you know, I don't think they would have just did it like that. Yeah, I'm looking on the map where uh, Atwater is at, and I, I, I'm surprised at how close it is to the Bay Area. Oh, no, no doubt. Like yeah. I said, I've been up there, actually been to that facility. You know, I had homies there. Um, uh, and it's just south of Sacramento where he's from. Right, right, right. So they put him right at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got the whole. So I'm, I'm almost certain he over there at the camp chilling. You know, and um, so this is a pretty good situation he's in. He's he's um he's probably only in the camp which is explain that to the, for um for all our listeners especially our listeners that are worldwide what's the difference of being in a f federal facility that's a camp and one that's uh, considered a USP well the USP is the highest of the high you're gonna have lifer you're gonna have high level criminals you're gonna have a lot of stabbing you're gonna have deaths you're gonna have you know uh the respect is at a utmost you know almost to the point to where it's hard to smile over there you know what I mean? It's not a bunch of, you know, clowning and ain't a bunch of, you know, it's a serious, serious yard, you know. And um, on the flip side, the camp is everything opposite. You know, no fences around it. You may work somewhere in the city. You may drive a truck that go down to take the trash down to the city of Atwater's disposal site. You know what I mean? They trust you to do all this. You know, you driving around on forklifts at the camp and, you know, working on different things. So it's definitely but the camp actually prepares you to go home. USP is penitentiary style living, you know, four yard mentality is there, keeping a knife, you know, ready to put your life on the line or get your life took at any moment, every day, all day for years. And the camp is the total opposite where you get to, you know, apply for your driver license, take classes and do certain stuff to get to the house, to get you prepared to come to the street. The visiting is even different because even at the USP, the visiting is sit your ass in this chair. Your your family may can go get you some chips and a soda, but sit down and, and don't move. The camp is where you can walk or go outside, walk around with your family, play some catch with your kid. You know, it's just a totally different uh, situation over there at the camp, you know. I wonder what um what about your t uh, telephone privileges telephone privileges is more or less like you got the same three four hundred minutes a month that everybody else have it's just that everybody at a camp damn they got a cell phone anyway so you know they go to work probably got a cell phone stash somewhere at their job you know and uh and um and uh they get it in they they they, they having sex and some of them they they rocking and rolling you know what i mean and at the end of the day though uh like i say it's it's, it's a good spot to go to on your way home because it gets you used to being around people who like regular people you know it's rats down there it's politicians down there it's ex-mayors down there you know and you're gonna run into all these people down there and these people are regular citizens they don't have the penitentiary views they don't have the view they'll tell on you in a minute you know you steal some food out the kitchen they'll go tell on you <laughs> you know what i mean but this is what happens in real life at your job so that's why i say when it's getting you ready for the streets it's really getting you ready for the streets because you're around people that you have to tolerate you know, and not, you know, do nothing to and take the gang and prison politics out of it and just live regularly. 
Now, one of my uh, former co-hosts from the Gangster Chronicles ended up doing 24 months at Atwater Camp. Mm -hmm. He only ended up doing a year there. That was Reggie Wright Jr. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He was over there chilling. Yeah, you he know, was. Big chilling, big eating good. You know what I mean? He was chilling. Yeah, you know. And um, I'm trying to think if, yeah, he even, um, he called me up a couple times. I had to uh, put my phone number on a list. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff you can do via email also, which no I, doubt. I was surprised. Actually, when I was at uh, FCI Victorville 2, when they came with the email system, they brought it as a pilot program. Only Victorville 2 had it, and I believe somewhere in Terre Hutt might have had it. It was only two facilities in the whole Bureau of Prisons that had, and we were one of the first ones able to try it out for them to get the kinks out and stuff like that. So I was doing emails and shit back in, you know, shit, 05, 07, you know what I mean, uh, sending emails instead of writing letters. Yeah, I, I didn't like, um, I remember when that happened. I felt like I didn't want to email no one in prison because now you have a digital permanent record of your communication. Not that I'm communicating anything crazy, right. but it's just that it's it's preserved, I believe, um, permanently. Oh, no doubt. You know, and, and, and every address that people put on a visiting form, every phone number that they put in those systems, they digitally have a record of all this. If you ever was to go in the room for a murder or something and the feds was to pick it up, guess what they're going to go look at? All this information. Every person that you put on their list for address to visit you, they may go not like raid these people's house, but they may watch these people's house to see if you show up. You know what I mean? So you're absolutely right. All the emails, um, uh, addresses that they put into the system they you know no can go back and see exactly who these emails you know now you know people can have fake emails but you know that url link can come you know they can really trace that anywhere they want to so you're absolutely right on that yeah but i, I remember that um i saw footage of uh, the cdc they go through the mail and from what i saw they open up the envelope they look at the letter and they make sure there's no drugs or any you know anything in it then they put the letter back in mm -hmm. to give it to the person um I'm sure now they may copy the letter and save the letter, mm -hmm. but I knew that for a long time they just wanted to make sure there was no drugs and nothing in the envelope that the inmate was not supposed to have, and then they just give the letter to the inmate. Um, do you know anything about the, how they check physical mail? Oh, yeah, it's just like you said. They but, still check the physical mail. They make copies like, okay, we're going to copy this letter. Well, you know what, from my understanding, because I done had homies called up there to the um, lieutenant's office. Lieutenant office actually had a, a letter, um, a copy of their mail or outgoing, you know. And uh, you wrote some offensive stuff. You wrote some stuff that could be threatening. Somebody wrote some wrote some stuff to you that may be compromising a facility as far as it may, may seem like, uh, well, I'm going to bring that. Well, you mean bring what? You know what I mean? And to be honest with you, it's a thousand inmates on the yard. They not reading everybody mail. Yeah. You know, yeah. but once you get under they, they radar, say somebody come tell you the tobacco man, now they finna start copying your <laughs> mail, reading your shit. You know what I mean? I remember one time I went to visit and you and, and it's a CO booth that's in the visiting room and then you have the whole rest of the visiting room. So one time, man, for about a month straight, man, they made me sit right in front of the the CO's booth, almost to where to they can hear my conversation, you know, with my family. So, you know, I had been there for a while, you know, the CO's know me. I'm like, man, why? Why for I, 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 what's the problem, man? Why am I sitting? And I'm sitting right up under a camera, you know. Why am I sitting here? You know what I mean? They like, man, Thorne, you know what's up? I don't, cause I, I'm not the man in my mind. I'm saying it ain't me. It's cool for somebody else getting getting some cracker, cause I take the, you know, keep your eyes on me, cause I ain't doing shit. But at the end of the day, man, they made me for about a month straight. They made me sit right in front of that uh, booth, 
right under the camera, you know, but I guess they may have thought I was doing something suspicious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, the, the paper mail or the physical mail, I guess they can make a copy of it and save it, but, but I doubt they're going to go through every single inmate save copy the letter and then scan it and save it digitally that's just too much work that's too much work but see everybody emailing now so what they doing with the email is when you send an email to me in prison i don't get that email until somebody reads over or scans over some ceos don't read that shit press forward and send you your shit they they there to do a job and they ain't finna do all that they they don't they don't got some CEOs don't want to write uh, write you up for a, a banana or onion that you're not supposed to have because now they got to do some paperwork. You know what I mean? They yeah. might take it or they might be like, man, they, they don't do nothing. You feel me? So some fees, some people are going to read your every word on your email coming in, want to know all your business. You know what I mean? I know some females that worked at these prisons and it was for them it was like, you know, a, a, a drama class. You know, they want to read everybody. They want to see what everybody got going on. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, Mozzie's going to get out. Oh, I have I have Mozzie's release date here. It's July 23rd, 2023. So um, it's actually a little bit shorter than the year because it's 85%, right? Right. Yeah. It's a funny line that Mozzie had in one of his songs. You know, he said, uh, the fear sent me to the pen. It was only right. I got a kite from everybody that was posed right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I wonder if if, uh, if he needs anyone to put money on his books, being oh, that no, he's a in there straight, nah, man. She, he good, yeah. Good. All right, um, last thing I want to talk about, man, is uh, this this whole issue with my main man, American Cholo, Gil from North Hollywood, and um, you know he's kind of got into a conflict with with Adam Twenty Two from No Jumper, but it it, it starts with his it's it starts with Gil's. His critique of Tiger's video, Ay Caramba. No doubt, no doubt. Tiger did the video, Ay Caramba. I hadn't seen it for a while to understand what was disrespectful about it. You know, I did finally watch it, see what where they were coming from. You know, and then I list, did listen to a few comments. First, I didn't really get it. And then when Gil put it in a perspective, like, okay, well, what if this was fried chicken? Or what if these were watermelons that they were sitting out and doing certain stuff like that? And then it clicked on me and said, okay, I got it. Because I don't know the the Mexican heritage or all the, you know, the Mexican things that where they feel disrespected, you know, and that's just because I didn't know, you know what I mean? But um, Tiger definitely addressed it. And uh, Gil was, you know, kind of, he was upset with it. He kind of took to the forefront on it and uh, said something. And then people had words to say to him as well. Yeah. I was actually surprised that Tiger took uh, time out of his schedule to do a sit down with a, you know, just uh, basically, Tiger, um, Gil to Tiger is just a, a dude on YouTube. You know, he's a YouTuber. He ain't like a, a journalist that's well known. It's not like the network news. It's it's nothing on a national level. It's a guy that's doing a a, a YouTube channel from um, from a room in his house. Well, the thing about it is more or less like this though. Gil did take the for me the, to see it. I saw Gil first say it. I saw American Cholo say it first. He was pushing a line on it. Um, I don't know how they hooked the meeting up, you know, but Tiger did say that he did have other people saying that they felt disrespected as well. Yeah. So I don't know if if, if, if if Gil knew somebody at the radio station who hosted it and was able to slide up in there or they felt that, okay, man, Gil represents the Southsiders who pushing the line the hardest. Let's try to um, go through him to you know, clear something up, you know. 
Do you think Tiger decided to sit down with American Cholo because he is a Southsider or former Southsider, mm-hmm. and he does have a lot of ties with Southsiders? Because if that's the case, then then maybe Tiger felt a little nervous to ignore all these Southsiders. I have to address them. I have to at least speak to somebody, and and that's why he chose to speak to American Cholo. I felt that way. I felt that he, you know, of course, man, you know, you don't want to be riding around, man, and you have a whole race, <laughs> make, you know, that feels some kind of way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they say, they felt he knew exactly what he was doing, or somebody should have told you that this was disrespectful. Somebody in your camp should have said that this wasn't cool, you know, and um, and um, so, yes, he felt that he was obligated to talk to somebody. How he got to American Cholo, I don't know, but maybe it was because because, you know, Gil is also in the heated situation with the cartoon from Fire Trey Avalon. Cartoon is on his ass about him, you know, uh, having racial undertones, you know. Um, cartoon did see the um, video that Adam 22 posted, you know, of him saying, you know, some some stuff that was clipped together that made it seem like, you know, he was racist. You know, um, I have talked to Gil personally before. He seemed like a, you know, a cool guy, you know, but at the same time, you never really know a person's inside. And for people that I know, after I started looking around and say, hey, man, is Gil, I don't watch American Cholo like that. What y'all feel about Gil? They be like, nah, man, he be on that bullshit. He be <laughs> on that racist shit, man, you know. Now, some it is a difference between prejudice and racist. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you say somebody prejudice, that's just kind of basically you're for your race. You know, I'm for black people. That don't mean I'm racist. You know what I mean? So some people can misconstrue that. I don't have enough information on Gil to know personally what he is, but cartoon on his ass and and it's not letting up, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, um well what happened was after after Tiger and and American Cholo had their conversation. Uh, Tiger agreed to to bring the video down or take the take the video off the off the internet, which I I was surprised that he would do that. But again, maybe he's living he's a little concerned to have a whole bunch of Southsiders offended by it. But then um, Adam Twenty Two posted a video of American Cholo apparently saying some racist stuff, but it was actually a video that. Tariq Nasheed edited together mm-hmm. and Adam 22 just reposted it. So now you said that cartoon is on his head, but also Tariq Nasheed is on American Cholo's head because Tariq Nasheed thinks American Cholo's racist. Mm-hmm. American Cholo saying that Tariq Nasheed is a black supremacist. Mm-hmm. So, so they're both, uh, they're, they're accusing each other of the same thing basically. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you those, what I, what I didn't uh, care for, you know, um, I didn't know Tariq Nasheed had, kicked it off basically with the video and uh adam reposted it i didn't know none of none of that you know what i did see though was when cartoon got on gill head how all these other south started to start voicing their opinion you know how they start coming in and start talking about racial situations hold on cartoon said what he said to american cholo he didn't say it to all the south siders he didn't speak on the south siders you know or Terreno's, um as a whole, he spoke on Gil, you know, and I immediately saw, you know, Southsiders jump in and start, you know, coming out. I don't know if they was doing it for views. I don't know if they was doing it for news. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be honest with you, Alex, I saw people speaking up that that wasn't even your situation, bro. Let Gil handle his, his situation, you know, and I did see that, you know, so I won't I won't let that go without being said. But I believe everybody kind of got together, spoke you know, and had some kind of understanding of what they meant, 
by everything because sometimes like i said if i would have saw the video first that um tariq and i she posted i probably would have said damn gil you know what i mean yeah. like you know what i mean so i get you know i get it you know but he uh edited it in a clever way to strip it of its context and to make gil look a certain kind of way which was a misrepresentation of what gil was saying in the first place so to a certain degree uh tariq nasheed um I don't know how to say it, but um, he kind of smutted him a little bit, mm -hmm. if that's a good way to put it. So now American Cholo's on the defense trying to explain that, nah, go, go back and listen to the whole thing. It was a story, and in the context of the story, the N-word came up. Not me just saying, I don't just say the N-word like that. So, the, um, yeah, I think that Gil got a little bit of uh, the shorthand of the, of the deal on that, on that representation. Well, you know, I've heard other people say that they don't say the word period so they don't get caught up like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did hear, and these were a few, you know, essays. Say, dude, that's why I don't even say it because people can take you out of context. People can, you know, now on the flip side, I'm not saying Gil was wrong per se, but some of his responses that I saw, you know, was more or less like, you know, well, fuck it, what y'all want to do type responses. You know what I mean? And we see shit like that. You know what I mean? And 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 it may be nothing to be spoke on, but well, we see what we see, homie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we we everybody got a mouth. Everybody can speak on what they speak on. But when I'm talking about me, I'm talking about me. You're not going to hear me say we unless it has to be a we. If I got a situation with this dude, it's not no we. It's a me and you. If I got a situation with you and 10 dudes, it's a me and y'all. You know what I mean? So sometimes I pay attention to that we when you're talking about an individual situation. So f people out there saying we understand if it's just you and somebody else, we listening, man. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it was an unfortunate situation that happened, but it definitely blew up from from different angles. Yeah, no doubt. Now, you know, I've had plenty of debates with American Cholo. I've been on his show uh, at least twice maybe three times and we've done uh what you would call like um through the internet where we both got on the on the video together mm -hmm. and had debates and i will say that a lot of uh, american cholo's views are, are, are a bit conservative um normally dudes that are from the streets former gang members don't think as conservative conservatively as he does mm -hmm. but that's how he thinks he's, he's extremely conservative he has a uh, very little patience for drug addicts, for um, even violence from gang members, which is surprising because Gil went to YA for committing, you know, a lots of violence. Right, right. But now he doesn't have the patience for understanding why people commit violence. Um, so yeah, he's definitely went the more conservative route. Um, but I don't think I would call him a racist. But I do understand if there's some brothers out there that that are feeling a certain kind of way from some of the things that Gil says, no doubt. But no, like I say, you know, and you definitely have people who feel how they feel. You know, like I say, I, I, I listen to cartoon and, and listen to different people come on. Even the essays, I listen to them. You know, they're all not Gil fans as well. It's not just, you know, blacks that's against him. You know what I mean? It's people that don't line up with Gil. But I, I hear the same thing. They're saying that people that really know him, he's not, you know, a racist, but he's definitely for his race. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's definitely for la raza, as they say. And uh, what's interesting is that apology that that Tiger gave to American Cholo on Power 106 after Tariq Nasheed's video got reposted on Adam 22. I believe they took the video down because it didn't look good. It looked like 
Tigers are issuing an apology for racial stereotypes against a guy who now has a video circulating saying racist statements. Right. So right. it's just it's like a it's like a little mess right now, man. Hey man, but you know what? That's how fast shit kick off. And that what goes to show that sometimes, you know, people can do stuff and be honest with you, Gil kicked this off. He kicked this off with getting at Tiger the way he got at him. You know what I mean? Not faulting him for that or nothing like that. I'm not saying that that is his fault or nothing. I'm just saying when he spoke about the situation, it be it blew up, you know, from Gil's camp. So when you do something that bring light to your camp, people are going to start uh, dissecting you and your channel and your situation. And when they find something in your channel, you know, there's people still out there right now looking for FG, looking for something, you know, <laughs> with, with some smut on me or something, with some dirt or something they could talk about. <laughs> they and, can't find and, nothing. And they can't, man, they, 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 they looking for nothing, man. But it, it happens. We all are accountable for what we say. So, like I say, um, unfortunately, it blew up and it, it, it took some turns, but I believe it's called coming in now. But I believe people will be looking at Gil's channel to see if he, they catch him you know, uh, with some undertones that they don't like. It may not even be wrong, but just something they don't like. And now it's going to be another topic, you know. Well, Adam22 took the video down that he reposted because he actually stated, he agreed that um, it was taken out of context and it was unfair. But he also said that Gil used this term uh, ghetto coon. He was Mm -hmm. referring to Tariq Nasheed as a ghetto coon. But Gil's response was that Tariq Nasheed has responded to him as a Mexican Mexicoon, mm. meaning like like the, the way like I, I'm calling Gil conservative. Mm-hmm. Tariq Nasheed is not going to hold back no right, word. Right, right. He called him a Mexicoon, you right, know, right. which is just probably a more disrespectful way of saying a, a Latino guy that's conservative. You know. Well, let me ask you this, and I know everybody, and I'm not asking you. I'm making a statement. Um, I know what Gil part was, and I know it. Uh, Tariq Nasheed part in and I'd see how cartoon felt you know what I mean and all this but you know because he felt Gil used the, the coon word I, you know I see how the blacks came in and said cartoon specifically what the hell the album 22 had to do with it you know what I mean so when they go to that term you <laughs> yeah. know you doing it they got situations that they talking about and arguing about or beefing about you got doing it for views uh, Adam you know what I mean? Are you doing it for what they be calling this clout shit, dude? You, 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 your white ass that had nothing to do with these situations. I don't believe that he should have posted that unless he wanted some smoke. And guess what? He got a little bit of it. So he brought that on himself. 100. Um, there are certain issues that uh, a platform creator, a, a platform producer should not even meddle in. Um, you don't want to be in a position to where you have to delete something because, oh, you took, you, you made a mistake do your interviews that's you know you you have you have an interview platform um but he he's dabbling into news and he and using his words he called this newsworthy so that's why he posted it but yeah there's certain things that um you should just stay away from so that you don't have to deal with uh the streets because look he had about i don't know 30 40 50 southsiders pull up on him no doubt you know <laughs> what i mean he had no answer for it. So if you don't got no answer for it, man, shut your ass up sometime. But, you know, like you say, some people will speak and, you know, you know, speak larger than they ask can handle, you know. Yeah, uh, we're about to wrap up this episode, but I, um, I wanted to ask you, what did you think about? Um, I don't know if, if how this happened, but Gil showed up. Um, he's also with another another guy from um, Pico Rivera named Bozo. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, was his name Bozo. Um but they showed up like 30, 40, 50 deep to address the video that 
that Adam 22 posted. Um, why, why such a show of force just to address an issue? Um, I believe Gil might have thought it was a power move. You know, technically it wasn't, in my opinion, my opinion only, wasn't a power move. Gil could have went up there and got it at him 22 and said, straight up, homo man, you can get out. But, you know, straight up. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, Adam might have said, security, please get this man. But at the same time, homie, this issue is between me and you. This is where the we come back in. You know what I mean? Because everywhere you, you know, some places you call, you bring 40, 30 homies to, it's going to be an issue because somebody else going to call their homies, you know. But at the end of the day, that's what he chose to do. I can't knock what his decision was. He didn't need that kind of force to go to Adam, I believe, you know. And um, and and that's how I felt about that. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's an interesting uh, topic because it's, it all started. This all started with uh, Tiger's Aikaramba video, which uh, I, I actually agreed that he he used a lot of racial stereotypes in that video from the Tabasco sauce to the tortilla chips to the fat Mexican to the car salesman to the Lucha Libre guy. It was um, it was a little too much. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not Mexican. But I try to put myself in the Mexican shoes to to, under- to try to visualize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I could actually just laugh at the video and, and play it and enjoy it also. You know, <laughs> me personally, like I say, I was hey, I, I, maybe I didn't see the disrespect. I didn't see too much. Uh, but once they said it, I got it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But on the flip side of going back to Gil bringing all those uh, guys up there, he also showed his hand too, though, Alex. You know what I mean. So if he's talking peace and he's talking, you know. Um, you know, men should be able to talk it out. Two men should be able to talk it out. I have heard him use those terms. You didn't bring two men, bro. You brought 40, you know. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's how it was. Yeah, you don't need to show up uh, 50 deep at, at no jumper. But at the same time, you know, um, he has he has cats there from real areas working with him. So No, man, no, no doubt, no doubt. You know what I mean? But it just, I think it was excessive. Yeah. You know. All right, man. Well, let's just wrap up this episode of Streets and Scholars, man. Um, you got anything popping on the YouTube FG Unleashed? You know what? At this moment, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, man. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yeah. struggling to hang in there with me. You know, I guarantee I'm going to put something out and start doing things. And I just don't cover everything. But at the same time, some things are worthy to be spoke on. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm a, actually, I got a video I'm going to post about uh, the mystical situation, you know. I wanted to talk about yeah. it, but we don't got time. Right, right. Yeah. Not about this specific situation, but people in those situations. But what I did want to say, Alice, before we go, I wanted to say it at the beginning and I forgot. Man, we lost a real, real solid soldier, man, that I just wanted to give a shout out to, man. That's the homie Baby Sam out of Pacoima. And uh, he was a real thorough general, man. And, you know what I mean? Good homie, solid. And I just wanted to say rest in peace. We lost him in a motorcycle accident, yeah. man. And, and uh, he just came home two months ago, you know. And uh, we just wanted to say rest in peace. My condolences to him and his family and the Pacoima homies. You know what I mean? Rest in peace, baby Sam, man. All right, man. Rest in peace to baby Sam. Shout out to his family. And um, lastly, I think um, I think you should get back to telling some of those stories that you originally started off t- um, telling on your channel. And I thought... The, um, the story you was telling me off camera um, when you drove, when you had to drive a truck. Um, oh, to that water, yeah. Uh, that, that's a hell of a story <laughs> right there. <laughs> on fed paper, pulling into the prison and shit. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how comfortable you are telling right, that one. Right, but, right. Um, no, no, so I'm, I'm good now. But, yeah. you know, I definitely got them. I just, I got a million of them. Yeah, man. you got a bunch <laughs> of stories. I, I, I think man. people want to hear the stories, okay, man. Okay, okay. Hey, tap in with FG on his Instagram and tell him you want to hear some stories. The Instagram is fgeneral1. The YouTube channel is FG Unleash. You know, tap in with me, Alex Alonso 101. 
Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, the Street TV YouTube channel is always popping. And thanks for tapping in with another fire episode of Streets and Scholars.